Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. You're not the first one hated. Oh, they don't like me. They didn't like Jesus. You know, they, they're conspiring on me. They conspired on Jesus. You know, they put me out. They put Jesus out. And they did far more to Jesus. They crucified him. If the world hates you, guess what? You haven't seen nothing yet. Let me ask you a question. Y'all listen now. Are you ready to die for what you believe? Oh, you you not matter of fact, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. If someone told you to renounce your faith and, and say, I don't believe in God and say, I hate God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do it? See, think about that. Some of you would. Some of you would. Some of you are ashamed to go out and knock on doors. We've been having neighborhood outreach for the whole life of this church and beyond. And some of you haven't knocked on one door because you're scared, you're ashamed, or you're too busy. Look, they can get an amen then. And don't don't say you don't have to say amen. I don't I don't want you, I don't want to be an amen in church. Sometimes you just need to pause and meditate and think about that. Because the truth will make you so convicted that you can't even talk. Number seven. People get angry when they are addicted to drugs and alcohol. They get angry when they're addicted to drugs and alcohol. This brings about uncontrolled anger. When people are on drugs and alcohol and they, they get out of control, that stuff causes them to lash out verbally and even get physically violent with those around them. Even causing family members to seek a place of refuge because of the danger they're in. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, don't be under the influence of wine until it just drives you crazy. Uh, it, it makes you make decisions you wouldn't make. But you ought to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Waiting on the Holy Spirit to tell you what to do according to the word of God. And it's not just about alcohol. It's not just about drugs. It's also about caffeine. You you ought ought to be overtaken with caffeine. It's about pornography. Some of you are addicted to tattooing yourself. Some of you are addicted to talking too much. Some of you are addicted to a controlling spirit. You like controlling people. Some of you are addicted to gossip. Some of you are addicted to social media and texting and television. Television run all night. You can't cut it off. Matter of fact, you go to sleep with it. It, it, it just stays on. And the television won't sign off like it used to. It used to sign off with the Lord's Prayer. How many of y'all remember those days? It, it, the Lord's Prayer. And then it went all, it went blank. You won't see that now. 
Some of you did it to yourself. You're so selfish. It tells us all about you. When you don't have, when you can't have your way, you, you are dangerous to be around. Absolutely dangerous. Some of you are addicted to pump, uh, being late to everything. You just as, you, 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 you just as tardy as you can be and don't even care about it. As if everybody need to be around waiting on you. How insensitive. You're not that important. Discipline yourself. Yeah. 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 Some of you are addicted to sweets. Some of you are addicted, addicted to sugar. Some of you are addicted to too much Coke, burgers, fast food, fried chicken. You're addicted. You need to eat some baked chicken and some green beans and some spinach. Won't y'all say amen? I just messed up y'all buffet. (laughs) Where's your personal discipline? You want exercise? You want exercise? You know you're getting bigger. You know you're out of shape. You can't breathe. And you wonder why you got all those ailments. Do something to put yourself back in shape. I'm losing. I'm getting down. My stomach is not out there past that pulpit. (laughs) Oh, God. Some of y'all are addicted to fashions. Everything got to be, you can't get enough of buying stuff. Something look cool. You put those little things in your eyes that make your eyes a different color. You, 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 you get glasses to match every outfit. Yeah, no, just let me go on. You know, you just, it's all about fashion design. And you got enough in your closet to, le- to, to last you the next three years. And folk don't even know you made change. You got enough right there in your closet. You do have enough. Not to mention that those other places you're putting clothes, you're squeezing stuff everywhere and won't get rid of stuff you haven't worn since 1932. You see, beloved, when you allow your addictions to get the best of you, you give them power over your life. Did you get that? When you allow your addictions to get the best of you, you give them power over your life, which leaves no room for the Lord to govern your life. Oh, let me just, oh, since you're quiet, let me just throw this on. Who's in control of your life? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it your addictions? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it your addictions? Some of you are addicted to rebellion, you know? Some of you are addicted to negative thinking. Yeah. Some of you are addicted to business, busyness. You know? Okay. Number eight. People get angry because they lack financial discipline. They get angry because they lack financial discipline. They mismanage their funds, live beyond their means, to their financial detriment. 
I say it again. People get angry because they lack financial discipline. They mismanage their funds, live beyond their means to their financial detriment and spend themselves broke, especially just after the Christmas season, which results in you robbing God in the brand new year. Just charge, charge, charge in December and you're broke, broke, broke in January and you can't give God his 10 percent. Because you spin it up in December. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Some of you started, have started this year off not giving God 10% out of your salary, out of your retirement, out of your Social Security, out of whatever you're giving, getting, out of your bonuses, whatever he gives you. You're to give back because without God, you wouldn't get it. Verse nine says you are cursed with a curse. When you don't do God right, you you curse yourself. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation bring not some of the tithes, not half the tithes, but what? All the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that you will not have room enough to receive it. Beloved, only when you put your finances under God's divine management and seek his wisdom, will you begin to make financial progress. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses two and three and verse five also says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty, underline that deep poverty overflowed in wealth, their liberality. They were in, in the midst of poverty. They overflowed with liberality for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. You see that? Beloved, there is no such thing as being too poor to give financially to God. Write, write every word of that down. You, you need to remind yourself of that. There is no such thing as being too poor to give financially to God. In this passage, the saints gave generously even in the midst of their deep poverty, in the midst of their deep poverty, they gave. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. See, that's why people can't give. They haven't given themselves to the Lord. You haven't dedicated yourself to the Lord. You haven't made God first over your life. And then to us by the will of God. You cannot please God in your financial giving until you first give yourself to the Lord. Ecclesiastes 5.10 also says, whoever loves money never has enough. You love it, you're not going to have enough. You're going to run out. It's going to get the best of you. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. God can do more with little if you love God more than money. And he says, here, this too is meaningless, says Solomon. The danger in loving money is that you never have enough and you're never satisfied. Never have enough and you're never satisfied. Number nine, like Jonah, some people are angry with God. Some people are angry with God. Now, when you get angry at God, you, you, you really angry. 
Jonah 3.10 says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. John 4.1 also says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. Some people become angry with God because of the death of loved ones, which may leave them lonely, leave them fearful, fearful, leave them burdened with handling the responsibilities the deceased loved one managed. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, even in the midst of death of precious loved one. I give you my peace, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Jonah should have been rejoicing that the Ninevites who were Israel's arch enemies repented and got right with God. He should have been rejoicing. Instead, he was angry and pouted that God would have mercy on such a ruthless and wicked people. Such is the case with many believers in the church today. Some are bound by anger while others are experiencing freedom in Christ. Many saints sit, soak, and sour while others sitting right next to them are rejoicing in God's provisions, deliverance, grace, and mercy. Some are mad. Others are rejoicing and looking at you. Why are you shouting? You need to look at them and say, why are you not? <laughs> To be angry with God is a terrible thing because without him, you can do nothing. There is no one to rescue you when you are angry with God. And there is absolutely no hope for you when you are angry with God. Number 10, harboring bitterness and resentment will keep us in a perpetual state of anger. Harboring bitterness and resentment will keep us in a perpetual state of anger. Anger. Jonah 4, 1 through 2a and verse 3 says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Beloved, you will remain angry if you refuse to let your bitterness and resentment get the best of you. You have absolutely nothing to gain if you just keep yourself in a perpetual state of bitterness and anger. Bitterness and resentment brings on anger. It brings on mental and emotional stress, bitterness and unforgiveness. All these kinds of things bring on tension, anxiety, physical illness, and even death. You can worry yourself to death. You can bitter yourself to death. You could be so angry that you shorten the days of your own life. Look at this man. He said in verse 3b, Lord, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. He hated the folk that much. Personal bias. Mad because God saved folk. God can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do. He is sovereign and he doesn't need your permission. Jonah was so angry that he wanted to die. Anger can drive you to an early death. Number 11, selfishness and lack of compassion creates a breeding ground for anger. Selfishness and lack of compassion creates a breeding ground for anger. Jonah 4, 10 through 11 says, but the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in a night. 
But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for that great city, Jonah? Jonah's selfishness and a lack of compassion caused him to have more pity on the plant who has shaded and comforted him in the midst of a scorching desert heat than the people of Nineveh. Sadly, many saints lose their focus and become more obsessed with creature comforts, material possessions, social events. They love their cats, dogs, and trees. And even in the church, many believers are preoccupied with all with certain kinds of music, certain kinds of attire, positions, power and relationships, rather than being concerned about the spiritual condition of humanity. Who is the unsaved and in need of salvation in the dark times in which we live, we can ill afford to lose our spiritual perspective. We must keep the main thing, the main thing. We need to extend love compassion and mercy and we need to make much of Christ it is not about the soup making much of the Super Bowl and who's going to win two years matter of fact who played in the Super Bowl three years ago and what was the score just three years ago don't don't look at your gadgets who played in the Super Bowl last year what was the score who rushed who made touchdowns you don't even remember that stuff passes away Exodus 33, 19b says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. In other words, God tells Jonah, don't you tell me what to do. I'll be, I be gracious to whomever I want to be gracious to and I have compassion on whomever I want to compa- have compassion on. You don't have a right to tell I'm God. Stay in your lane. Stay in your place. I'm sovereign. You little puny thing, you. We must be careful not to allow our own selfishness, personal biases and anger to cause us not to want to see the best for others because we don't think they deserve God's grace. Jonah could not extend the same grace and mercy to Nineveh that he himself received from God when delivered from that great fish. The Lord had more compassion for the wicked Ninevites than did Jonah, who was a preacher sent from God to preach for the wicked Ninevites. The scripture says in Jonah 4, 11, the Ninevites had more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals, should not feel sorry for such a great city. Beloved, where is your compassion for those who are lost and headed to a Christless eternity in hell? Then finally, but not the least, Some people are angry because of being rejected. They're angry because of being rejected. Jonah 4.11 says, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals should not feel sorry for such a great city. Jonah had so rejected the Ninevites that he, he did not want to see them delivered from God's judgment. Rejection come as a result of divorce. People are rejected because of broken relationship. He had so rejected the Ninevites that he didn't want to see them delivered. He rejected them. People today are rejected because of favoritism. They're rejected because of denied employment opportunities or not being selected for a certain job they applied for or whatever they're applying for. Not making the team to name a few. It is impossible to live in this life and not experience rejection. 
I say it again. It is impossible to live in this life and not experience rejection. Our Lord faced rejection from his birth to his crucifixion. Isaiah 53, 3a says he was despised. It means he was hated. Jesus was rejected by his own family, by the Sadducees, religious leaders, all kinds of people. They tried to kill him and eventually did. He was a man of suffering. He suffered all through his ministry. And I, I love this portion of the scripture. Jesus was familiar with pain. That's a big statement you need to underline. Our Lord was familiar with pain. And some of you under my voice, you have emotional pain, physical pain, the pain of rejection. Since rejection is inevitable, it really comes down to how you're going to respond to it. Will you use rejection in your life to develop and refine your character? Will you use a rejection to increase your faith by trusting the Lord more? Or will you allow it to cause you to become filled with bitterness and anger, resentment and unforgiveness? If you desire spiritual freedom, then give your rejection and your pain to Jesus. Jeremiah 17, 14 says, O Lord, if you heal me, I will be truly healed. If you save me, I will be truly saved. My praises are from you alone. Beloved, life is too short to allow anger, bitterness, and resentment to fester in your heart towards your family. Get it right towards your neighbors. Get it right towards your coworkers. Get it right toward other church members. Get it right. Listen as I close. As we can see in the sudden death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and all those aboard the helicopter, they were just having an ordinary day and suddenly disaster struck and all were killed. If you died in a sudden tragic accident today, as they did a few days ago, where will your soul Depart after death. You need to hurry up and get right with Jesus today because tomorrow is not promised to absolutely anyone, regardless of your anger. You can die angry. Don't let anger, don't let death catch you angry. Don't let death catch you in bitterness. Don't let death come and you are in broken relationship. Kobe was popular. He had all kind of popularity. The nation is still reeling. He had fame. He had personal wealth, millions of dollars. He had a tremendous skill set that many were envious of. Yet death is no respecter of persons. What matters most is not how we die. People say, wasn't that tragic how he died with his family, his girl, and others aboard? Uh, what, what, it's not when we die and it's not how we die, but being ready to die at any moment. That's what we ought to learn from that whole episode, which comes only through having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Rich folk die, poor folk die, celebrities die, folk with tremendous skill set die, and death comes. It doesn't give you a notice. It just happened. You can get up, brush your teeth, comb your hair if you got hair. You can get in your car and go off into eternity. Doesn't care about your status. When God says your time is up, it is up, and you are out of here. 
Doesn't matter about you. You could be a baby. You could be 10, 20, 50, or 88, or 98. When God calls, you go answer. James 4, 14 says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Our time on earth is shorter than we think. You don't have time to be harboring bitterness and to be mean and mad and two-faced and hypocrites. You don't have time to be getting evil and being judgmental. You need to be kind, tenderhearted, compassion, loving, and possessing an unfailing love to the glory of God. And all God's children said, let's pray. And Father, we thank you for the message. Thank you for reminding us of your mercy and your love and teaching us about Jonah because we know that all the Jonas are not gone. And so many are like Jonah holding on to stuff. Somebody's child was mistreated. Somebody was mistreated on the job. The neighbors are still fighting. People are mad in the political world. And that's what Satan wants to do. Keep us so mad that we are dysfunctional and can't glorify God. Calm us down, Father, and you can't give us rest until we refocus and regain a spiritual perspective that is of that is kingdom. That is word based. So that we can think on things above and not be carried away by stuff that's passing away in Jesus name. And all God's children said, you here today and know not to save you. We give you Jesus. The Lord is calling you. The Lord loves you. And the Lord spoke to you. It's not if he spoke, he did speak. The answer is, will you get up and say, I need a church home. Even more, I need to be saved. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.